It's Friday. That means you can call in about pretty much anything as long as you're reasonably articulate and not slurring your words. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You also have to get past the call screener, and he's in a bit of a mood today. It is Eric Erickson. It is my show. I want to talk about the Alec Baldwin situation, but... I need to get the pain out of the way first by going to a phone call. I just I, I I need to get here. We can get out of the way. We can move on. So I'm gonna go to a phone call. Let's see. Oh, do I? Re- yeah, Randy. All right, Randy. I'm I'm gonna go to you, and we'll have this civil good conversation, and we won't get a lot of heartburn about it. Maybe, Randy. Welcome. Hey Eric, how you doing? I'm I'm fine, and and you sound chipper, uh, better than than Chipper Jones himself sounded last night in the commentary about that disaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, my question is: first off, I I, I feel really uh, well about the fact that the Braves are going to take the series. You know, and then based on what happened with the uh, All Star game. I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts would be about Major League Baseball. Are, are we going to have to play this series in Colorado? Because Do I don't know, think it, anything's changed. To uh, no, but I actually have the answer to this because I actually wondered the situation. And I called a friend of mine who actually is a relatively well-known baseball expert. And he said they can't move the World Series. Because under the rules of baseball, the series is played in the team's hometowns unless there's some emergency and the teams themselves agree to move it. So, Well, I, I guess that saved them from the hypocrisy that uh, Major League Baseball showed. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, and I certainly hope that it, it – <laughs> let's just – let's say in the best-case scenario – the Braves actually do pull this off. Let's, let's just say that they win the next game – Praise Jesus, it comes to Atlanta. I, I will take my team to the World Series. Amen. We may have to stand outside and sell kidneys to get in and get tickets. But uh, I hope they, they do something else for Hank Aaron. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that would be the time to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, this reminds me, I probably need to go on the dark web and see how much a kid sells for because I could probably sell one of my kids to get tickets to the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no lie about that. No yeah. lie at all. Well, let's let's just hope they get through it. I just I'm trying not to get optimistic here. I I figure God wants us miserable, so I'm like expecting major injuries at the UGA game this weekend, and for the Braves to lose, and God will be satisfied. Apparently, he's been punishing Georgia since Sir Sherman came through. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously, absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, look, I just uh, you know I was just kind of wondering. I, nobody had said anything. I didn't know anything about the rules, but I just uh, uh, just found it a little bit, I guess, odd that they would allow it to happen. I mean, since nothing's happened to a right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I appreciate the phone call very much, and I actually was wondering myself um, if if there was a there there. And I kind of thought, no, there's no way they would move the game out of Atlanta uh, if it was the World Series. There's just they wouldn't. But they, people kept asking me, what do I think? What do I think? And it's like, I, I need a better answer than what I think because I'm not actually an expert on this. So I actually I did call a friend of mine who is an expert in the rules of baseball and Major League Baseball and the like. Um, he's affiliated with the team. 
And he said they can't, uh, that the only way they can move a baseball game in the World Series out of one of the homes of one of the the teams in the World Series is for both teams to consent due to natural disaster or other issues. So there there we go. They're not going to pull it. But y'all, I just listen, I, 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 I got to get to the Alec Baldwin stuff, but let me just, I realize we're no longer necessarily just a Georgia show, even though most of our stations are in Georgia. And we got people who are listening in other states, and they got baseball games. But I just I it's been a long time since the Braves went to the World Series, and I actually like the Dodgers. I grew up in Dubai. I love the Dodgers and the Cubs. The Cubs are really my team. And until I moved back to the states and moved to Georgia and figured a better route for the Braves or else. And I just my theory on the Braves is that Liberty Media, their parent company, doesn't actually have to invest in a team that can win the World Series. Because the, if you ever come to Atlanta, if you've never been to, to the Battery in Atlanta, that's the area around the Braves, uh, the teepee, where they play. The Yeah, and it's called the, – the Braves Stadium is actually called the teepee, which is kind of cool that they, they didn't walk away from that. So you, you come to the teepee to go to a game, and the area around the teepee is called the Battery, and it's a bunch of restaurants and hotels. And so a friend of mine who is associated with the franchise says they built this – so that even if the Braves never get to the World Series, they don't have to get to the World Series. As long as they're good and competitive, they'll attract enough people to the battery that they're getting massive amounts of money from the sales of the battery and the real estate of the battery. So essentially, the Braves team is now a real estate proposition, not actually a major league sporting proposition. I mean, if you ever go to the TP to a Braves game, it is the only stadium in Major League Baseball designed for people who don't want to watch a baseball game. It, it's remarkable. You can go do video games. You can go to restaurants. You can go drink. Uh, you do. Ne- you never have to watch the baseball game. It is remarkable how they designed this teepee so that you never actually have to go watch a baseball game at the teepee. You can. You can go to the restaurants outside of the battery. Where you can come inside. They they got like an arcade. They've got games. They've got sh- a shopping experience. They've got a museum. Everything you want. So for my wife who hates to watch a baseball game. She could come and have fun, except there are people, and my wife hates people, so she'll never come to a baseball game with me. But it's, it really is its a remarkable design for a stadium. It also, interestingly enough, the outfield left, the, the left side of the outfield, the wall is slightly higher than every other baseball stadium in America. So players for opposing teams – that tend to hit into the outfield left and make home runs are less likely to make a home run in Atlanta than in any other stadium. It's one of the dirty little secrets about the TP. So you come to Atlanta, you watch a game, but the question is, we've got we got the the NLCS. Will the Braves make the World Series? And y'all, I'm I'm sorry, this isn't a sports talk show, I realize. And I got into my I've I've never been a sports guy. I I really, I've never, growing up, I mean, in Dubai, we had camel racing and soccer, not exactly the sports you really want to get into. And then I come back to this country, and like my wife, when we got married, had to explain football to me. I just, I was never a sports guy. And my goodness gracious, now I'm in my 40s. I love to have friends come over. We sit on my front porch. I bring the TV out. We smoke cigars. We drink bourbon. I I, I make smoke wings on the rec tech. And we watch football and baseball and hockey. Hockey, of all things, hockey. Because Philip likes hockey because all of Philip's teams lose. So he had to start supporting a hockey team that won. 
And so he supports the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we we drink good bourbon and smoke expensive cigars and we watch it. And it's it's great camaraderie. And, you know, so this is the crazy thing about all of it. The number of people I encounter on a regular basis now, they're like, I can't believe you get together with friends once a week. Like, do, do you not? Now, granted, I was in my late 30s, early 40s before I started getting together, being intentional with friends of mine who are men to hang out, have drinks, smoke cigars, and 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 just talk. And it's apparently a rarity these days for people to do that. And I'm telling you, you should be really intentional about it. At, at some point, I'd love to have a crash pad in Atlanta or somewhere I could go with different listeners I've got to know and say, hey, this Sunday I'm going to be in Atlanta and y'all come by and have bourbon and cigars with me here while we watch the game. I, I, I got to do that at some point. But for now, it's just on my front porch. Now, the problem with me talking about it is I've actually now had people show up randomly, like like random people show up at the house. Like, oh, you really do do bourbon and cigars on Sunday. Can I come on the front porch? Like, ah, I don't know who you are. So we're going to have to find a different location, I guess. But nonetheless, you, sh- you should all have that time. Now, I'll get to Joe Biden in the town hall, but I want to talk just a moment about the Alec Baldwin situation, if you haven't heard about it. Alec Baldwin killed someone yesterday. It was an accident. Uh, he killed one person, injured another in a shooting accident. He was on the set of a movie in New Mexico. And someone loaded a live round in a prop gun and he fired it and it killed the cinematographer and injured critically the director of the film. It sounds like the setup to a bad dream or a nightmare. Alec Baldwin is an anti-gun activist and he has now killed and injured someone. There are a lot of a lot of issues and a lot of things I could say, but first I, I think you probably ought to be in prayer for him and the director and the family of the the dead cinematographer. She has a husband and a, a one-year-old. It's a tragedy. And I, I, I am reminded at times like this of just how terrible people can be and reveal themselves to be on social media. J.D. Vance, the guy running for Senate in Ohio, has come out and said uh, Twitter needs to unban Donald Trump so we can get some Alec Baldwin tweets. But then I saw some left-wing activists top him and say, uh, what are the odds a Trump supporter put the live round in, in the gun knowing Baldwin would pull the trigger? I mean, people just uh, – you know, I always say there's that, that Mark 5, Jesus cast the demons out of the possessed men. And the demons say they're legion and beg to be put in the herd of pigs. So Jesus puts them in the herd of pigs and they run down the hillside to the lake and they all drowned. And I mean, the the, the demons had to do something. The demons are, don't die when the pigs drown. They had to go somewhere. I think they invented Twitter. That that's They jumped through time and invented Twitter. And, and you see it like that. We're going to probably not have to have all the gun control conversations we otherwise normally would have. But, you know, gun control advocates are already on social media saying this is just another reason why we shouldn't have movies that glorify gun violence. They don't even know what the movie's about. Apparently, it is about a a, a guy who actually um, took the fall for someone else who accidentally shot someone. And it's just it's it's sad. And the larger issue here is not. Alec Baldwin, and I'm not an Alec Baldwin fan, and I know none of you are. 
I feel bad for the guy, though. I, I really genuinely feel bad. And then there's just a lot of questions on the set. Who put the round in the gun? How did Alec Baldwin not know and was not told you don't point the gun at anyone? Because, you know, in my house, I train my kids never point a gun at anyone. Well, Dad, I know it's not empty. You still don't point a gun at anyone. Well, Dad, it's a toy. You still don't point a gun at anyone. You just don't point guns at people. You never point guns at people. How did that get missed? There are so many questions, and it's such a tragedy. But I just, I got to tell you, it's appalling to see people who don't like him come out now and make him the butt of jokes. We should all strive at all times to be better. I mean, we're all sinners. We all fall short. We can all let our inner brain biblical donkey out. But the fact that some people are so willing to do it is a pretty damning indictment on our culture, I think, on the left and the right, that so many people gravitate towards rank, biblical donkiness. Try not to say the word on radio. It's just it's it's not good that so many people now relish that. That people have made that something that they like about themselves is a pretty awful statement about culture overall, that, that, that people – enjoy seeing that spectacle is a pretty damning indictment of culture overall. We should all be better than who we are on social media, and yet instead of elevating social media, we're, we're descending our humanity to the level of the idiots on social media, and, and none of us, none of us get out of it with our soul fully intact. I, I, It's just it's another reminder that maybe none of us should be using social media but prayers for him and, and that crew. What a what a terrible, terrible tragedy to pick up a prop gun and fire it and accidentally kill someone and injure someone else. Your director, your friends, that's going to be a burden for him to live with. It's just prayers for them. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, and the phone number is 877-973-7425. I am going to go back to the phones to Susan. You are going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a suggestion and sort of an observation for the Braves, uh, and if they hopefully get into the World Series, um, my suggestion is to allow the stadium crowd to express their appreciation. Uh, I, I think that the Braves should publicly invite Stacey Abrams to throw out the first ball. <laughs> yes. I'm yes. sure that she'd get a great reaction. Uh, totally. But Let's I'm, go I'm, Brandon and Stacey. Yeah. So I, anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think she has the stones to show up, but they should publicly <laughs> invite her just to, just to make a point. <laughs> and then the other thing. Yeah. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it would be funny. Um, and then the other thing is, too, is that if the Braves actually win the World Series, doesn't the commissioner uh, present the trophy on the field? Oh, so yes. That, twit, that the commissioner would have to come out onto the field, and I'm sure they would show their appreciation to him, too. Uh, yes. That hey, Listen, Susan, you're, this is yes. Those are excellent suggestions. Let's go, Brandon and Stacy. 
as people are making the tomahawk chalk sound in the background as well. I mean, it, it would just be, it would be perfect. It would be perfect. Y'all just, 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 just so there's no confusion though. Don't wear the white uniforms that day. All right, let's go back to the phone. Cindy, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Did you say Cindy? Yes. Okay, I, I, it's kind of hard to follow that. That was great. I mean, my <laughs> question was about Abrams. You know, I saw that she was with McCullough in Virginia, and she was talking about how she's the real governor of Georgia. Mm-hmm. How are we going to keep her from trying to pull the same shenanigans next year that if she's continuing this stuff already? I mean, she's got the she's got all the mainstream media here in Atlanta in her pocket. Oh, absolutely. So, um, it, it's listen. Uh, she's going to try. In fact, I think that uh, Terry McAuliffe, if he loses, he's not going to concede defeat if it's within thirty thousand. And by the way, I'm hearing that it's going to be close in Virginia. It could be thirty, forty thousand votes, and there's no way Terry McAuliffe concedes. It, it, Democrats don't do that anymore. And you're right. Uh, Stacey Abrams says she, w- she wasn't entitled to be governor. So uh, presuming that she she got herself elected, it's just it's it's pathetic. But it's what we do. It's what they do. It's not what we do. Uh, what we do is we remind you guys that if you're in charge of a business and you need access to large loans for your business, you should go to my friends, the Frost family at First Liberty Building Loan. They can help your business grow. You want to buy a building, build a building, buy a fleet of vehicles, something big, six figures and up, go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. You know, I I was talking to a Republican consultant the other day. He's a fairly – you all probably wouldn't know him, but he's behind the scenes a big deal. And he was saying one of his major concerns headed into 2022 are the people who are so convinced that the Democrats are just going to steal it again that they don't go vote. And he says he's running into this trying to get volunteers and grassroots organizers, the number of people who still want to argue about 2020, when overwhelmingly the Republican Party itself doesn't believe it was stolen. They're just telling the base that. And at some point, the lies clash with reality, and it becomes a bad thing for the GOP. And he's really worried that Republicans are going to dig themselves a hole of loss by so internalizing 2020 that they can't move on from it. And the irony here is you got Stacey Abrams of the Democrats. They really can't move on from 2018. Both sides now have just decided if they lose, it's the other side stole it. Uh, I don't think we'll ever return to normal on that. Joe Biden thinks he wants to return to normal, but he can't remember what it was. We will talk about his town hall when we come back. He was with Anderson Cooper and a pre-selected, pre-screened group of people and still screwed it up. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. It is a free-for-all this Friday. You can call in. You just, like, need to be coherent, not slurring your words. You know, when I first started in radio, I was doing 9 to midnight. This was back when people were talking about the Obama phones, and I wasn't sure they were real. Oh, my gosh, are they a real thing? And you can call in late at night, and the minutes are free, and you get all the drunks calling talk radio after 9. It's the craziest thing. I would have people calling in, slurring their words. I had some old woman named Violet who would call in, and we had to run it on delay because she would drop F-bombs. It was the craziest thing. People get nuts at night, particularly on a full moon. All right. That being said, I will go to the phones. I am going to Jerry, 
who is calling. Welcome to the program, Jerry. How you doing? Great. How are you? I want to. Good. I want to know your take on ivermectin. Look, I think that if a doctor prescribes it for a patient, uh, the patient should be allowed to take it. I have a niece who had terrible COVID. Her doctor prescribed her ivermectin. And within 24 hours, the inflammation in her lungs was decreasing because while ivermectin is an antiparasitic, ivermectin also has anti-inflammatory properties. And that's why the doctor had been prescribing it to people and, by the way, had been prescribing it for a year to patients with COVID with no problem at all until suddenly it became a thing in the last month or so. Yeah, because um, the CDC and Fauci are against it, but India used it. And their deaths were like almost not down to Zippo, you know? Yeah, per capita compared to us, uh, people in India who took it. And by the way, there's still a lot of outstanding research. And this is part of the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is that uh, there's still a lot of outstanding research on ivermectin. It's like hydroxychloroquine. When the president was recommending people take hydroxychloroquine and everyone's like, no, 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 no. There were 280 outstanding research studies at the time. So the data was still out. And lo and behold, comes back and overwhelmingly the consensus is hydroxychloroquine can work for some people. Not everyone, but for some people it does work. And the same kind of with, uh, with ivermectin. I just think if your doctor says, try this, we're in the midst of a pandemic with a virus we know a year and a half worth of data about because we can't trust any of the Chinese data. Why not let doctors try it? Maybe it's anecdote. And, and that's, what, that's what the health officials say is that it's anecdote, that you know people who have tried, like my niece. I know my niece, within 24 hours of taking the medicine, she had bad inflammation in her lungs from COVID, was in a lot of pain, and the inflammation started going down. It, was it causation? Was it correlation? Was it something else? Was it an anecdote? Was it data? Why not let the doctors and patients decide? What's remarkable to me in all of this is that for years, progressives have said uh, you shouldn't come between a doctor and his patient, that it's it's your body, it's your choice. If you want to have an abortion and your doctor thinks you need one, no one should be able to stand in your way. But when it comes to COVID, suddenly, no, it, it's nobody can come between you and your doctor except for everybody. And that's a deep frustration for me. Now, let's move to the president because he talked about COVID and the vaccine and, and people's freedoms. It was a rather bizarre town hall with Anderson Cooper at CNN. This is one of the things the president said. As, as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, right here in Baltimore, are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates I'm wondering where you stand on that. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Uh, by the way, by the way, I waited until uh, July to talk about mandating because I tried everything else possible. The mandates are working all the stuff about people leaving and people, you have, 
You have everyone from United Airlines to Spirit. All these airlines, we're not going to get all 96, 97 percent of the people have gotten the vaccine. All the talk about all these folks who are going to leave the military if they're, they're mandated. Not true. You got about a 90 some percent vaccination rate. I mean, so there's a, the idea is that, uh, look, the two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue, freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on, freedom. Number one. Number two, the second one is that, uh, you know, the, the gross misinformation that's out there. Okay. Listen, you could tell from the crowd it was a pre-screen, pre-selected crowd of Democrats who would ask pre-screened, pre-vetted, Democrat-oriented questions. They did it at a time of day with a bunch of sporting events to make sure the fewest people possible would see it in case Joe flubbed. And what does he say? You, You just heard him say, uh, should they get the mandated vaccine, and if not, should they lose their job? Yes and yes. I have become increasingly convinced, however crazy it sounds to some, that this is a backdoor defund the police effort. You got a bunch of police officers in major progressive cities that don't want to get the vaccine, so you fire them all. You've defunded the police. You've gotten rid of the police force. You've downsized the police force without ever saying you're downsizing the police force. You've made these guys the bad guys. You've made these guys the villains. And now you've they've lost their job and, and people who went from, oh, you can't defund the police are now going, heck yeah, those people. It just, it's, it's predictable is what it is. It's predictable. It's unfortunate and it's predictable. And I, I think it's just going to generate further backlash. I really do actually think it's going to generate further backlash. Uh, And then when the crime wave gets going even further because there are no police officers, that's just going to further hurt the Democrats. They just keep digging themselves holes. All right. uh, I want to go back to the phones. I want to go to John. You're going to be up next. Welcome to the program, John. Hey, appreciate it, Eric. Sure. I've just been listening the last couple of days and uh, really liked what you've said about the Democrats not being the landless. COVID plane. I've been traveling for work for the last three weeks. Um, I really don't care to wear a mask. I was vaccinated back in March and had COVID in August. Um, but you're familiar with groom. You ride them from Warner Robins or making up to Atlanta. You got to wear a mask the entire time. Yeah. Got to wear, got to wear your mask in the airport the entire time, except if you're eating or drinking. So anytime I have to wait at the airport and I just buy a nice large cup of coffee for up to one to two hours, you don't have to wear your mask while you're waiting. Right. Um, and then when you're on the plane, if you eat an almond about every 30 seconds, a small bag will get you from here to, to D.C. Uh, without having to wear a mask most of the time. Now, now John, in the airport- John, isn't it amazing the Chinese manufactured a virus that is so smart, it knows that the moment you have food in your hand, it cannot infect you? Well, yeah, and I've already been infected. I've so I don't know what doing wearing a mask is, is is helping me or helping anybody else. It's all theater at this point. It, it, it's kind of like going through TSA. Uh, they're, no they're, one... they're, they're teaching us to accept control in our lives. 
Yeah, so they, okay. So yes, they are. They're they're teaching us to accept control in our life from the government. But here's the thing. I I continue to believe that and this gets back to flying the plane. And thanks, John, for the phone call. It's not it was never about getting us to accept control. It has become about that. But what it's really about is they can't admit they can't solve the problem. So a buddy of mine yesterday actually texted me during the show. And he said, this all goes back to the thermostat. The thermostat. Now, let's follow this through for a minute. What about the thermostat? Well, in the 1970s, people started putting central heating and air in their house. And if it's too hot, they can make it cooler. If it's too cold, they can make it warmer. They can control this. And now we think we can control everything. You got a problem, there's a pill for that. Uh, you, you, you can change the channel if you don't like what's on. You can get on the Internet. You can find all sorts of – you can control everything in your life. Here comes a virus that they cannot control. And they convinced themselves and everyone else that this was a solvable, fixable problem and they could make the virus go away, and now they can't. And they can't admit that they screwed it up, and in so failing to admit it, they're now just exercising control over us – hoping to keep us in some sort of controlled status quo so they can try to find the fix that they've never been able to find. And even progressive writers out there are now starting to say, hey, maybe it's time to drop all the theater. Maybe it's time we just go back to normal. Maybe it's time to accept that people are going to get COVID, some people are going to die, but if you get vaccinated, you can minimize it. And if you don't want to get vaccinated, you may die, but that's on you. That should have been where we were the whole time. We're never going to get COVID free. Our healthcare professionals, and this is for those of you who don't understand what John was talking about with me, talking about landing the plane. I've been talking about this for the last couple of days, that our healthcare professionals and bureaucrats in the country, including Tony Fauci, set out to land pandemic plane on runway COVID zero. We are now never going to make it to that runway. And so the question is, do you land on the runway of COVID endemic or do you just allow the plane to fall out of the sky because it runs out of gas? And when the plane falls out of the sky and runs out of gas, it's because people lost their patience. People are tired and people no longer trust the government. The government can land this plane on COVID endemic. Singapore has done this, by the way. I got a long email last night from a listener who listens to the live stream or the podcast rather in Singapore, who was saying this is what Singapore has done now. Singapore has decided it's we're over COVID, and COVID is now endemic like the flu, and we're going to make sure that healthcare resources and hospitals are staffed the way they need to be to take care of COVID, and the rest of you go back to your life. And I think that's where we are, and that's where we need to be, and that's reasonable, that's prudent, but our government hasn't gotten there yet, and that's unfortunate. All right, uh, I want to go back to the phones. It is a free-for-all Friday. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let me go to Scott next. Scott, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, thanks, Eric. And you may have to take uh, answer me after uh, I hang up because I'm in the car just making noise. But I wanted to ask you about uh, red states and blue states and the reason – I wondered about why we call Republican states red and not Democratic states red, because they are the socialists, basically. And, of course, the root of that with socialism was that red is from the root word for beautiful in Slavic languages. So 
Uh, and, you know, of course, we had Red Vienna after World War, right. around World War One time and, and such as that. But so why, why do we still have red states as Republicans and blue states as Democratic? Man, Thank you. Scott, yeah, absolutely. Listen, I actually know the answer to this. Like, there's no BS. I know the answer to this. I don't even have to act like I know it. I know the answer to this. In the 1800s, the government printing presses began to experiment with color prints. And in the political maps, they assigned blue to the Republican Party. And they assigned red to the Democratic Party. And it never really caught on. Fast forward to the 1960s. The Associated Press takes over handling the Electoral College feed for all the wire services and the news networks, NBC, ABC, CBS. The Associated Press does uniform. The Associated Press is trying to come up with a color scheme, and the Associated Press remembers the national outlets used to use red and blue for political party colors. So the Associated Press decides it's going to come up with this color scheme. The incumbent party that controls the White House will get blue. The party that is out of the White House will get red. They chose this because they did not want to assign the color red to either the Democrats or the Republicans because it was the height of the Cold War. So instead, the excuse would be that they would assign the incumbent party blue the non-incumbent party, red, if there was a viable third party, it would be green. If there was a viable fourth party, it would be yellow. That was the color scheme. Blue for whoever held, which party held the White House, red for the major party out the White House, green for the third most viable party, fourth would be yellow. So you fast forward to 1980. It is a Reagan bloodbath. You fast forward to 1984, it is a Republican swimming pool. Ronald Reagan won every state except uh, Minnesota. Minnesota was the one red state on the map. Every other state was blue. They called it the Reagan swimming pool. Now, jump to 2000. The incumbent party is the Democratic Party. The out-of-party power is the Republicans. So the Democrats are blue, the Republicans are red. It's such a unique election in American history. No one had seen a presidential candidate win the Electoral College while losing the popular vote in the lifetime of anyone that alive. It became iconic. The pictures of all of the red counties across America voting Republican and the coastal cities voting blue, it became iconic. Red states and blue states. And it stuck because it was the first time since television came about that the challenging party, which had traditionally been red, won the Electoral College and lost the popular vote. The It just so happened to be that the Democrats were the party in control of the White House at the time, so they got blue because they were the incumbent party. 
That's why the color system stuck ever since. I wish we would go back to the incumbent party's blue, the challenger party's red. I don't know that we ever will because that election was so iconic for so many people who came of age and are now in politics. Uh, the red state, blue states, it had nothing to do with assigning uh, the communist colors to the Republicans. It had everything to do with the party out of power always was assigned red. And in 2000, that happened to be the Republicans. That's actually the real, true, honest-to-God story of why we talk about red states and blue states. Yes, you can, and it's a free-for-all Friday, like an open-line Friday. We just let you call in about topics that you wish I would talk about that I haven't yet talked about. And right now, I'm going to go to Bill calling. Welcome to the program. Hello there. Hi. I have I have a take on the $600 that I haven't heard anyone else address. All right. And it worries me. The Democrats have always been looking for a way to cut back on Social Security and decide what you need. I think the $600 thing is nothing more than an opportunity to look into seniors, people on Social Security's bank accounts, and say, oh, you don't need the Social Security. We are terminating it. And if you are a senior, you need to be really, really worried right now. I, you know, I suspect they may eventually get their bill. Uh, I think their initial reaction is they believe people are cheating on their taxes and they want the IRS to be able to audit people. Uh, they've raised it from $600 in transactions a month to $850 in transactions a month. That still captures the middle class. It's such a bad idea. Uh, they may wind up abandoning it, I suspect. I'm not exactly sure if they can have the votes to carry it forward. Joe Biden is, is sounding like he may not go forward. He's also sounding like uh, there he – well, I, I don't know. Joe Biden sounded like a lot of things the other night, including not knowing where he was. I was able to go to the private ports with 40 percent of all products – Coming into the United States of America on the West Coast, go through uh, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? Is it Long Beach? Long or? Beach. Thank you. And I know both the mayors. Ah, what am I doing here? <laughs> oh, poor Joe. Listen, uh, yeah, he stood on stage for over an hour talking off the top of his head with no notes. But he also, you can tell, he's he's showing his age. The phone number, 877-973-7425. We'll be back.